0: And the best part? You can try it yourself with their 7-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's TV slash poppods to get 50% off your first month. This is Ernie C. At Body
1: Count, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Molson Canadian presents Heavy Montreal. August 9th and 10th, Outdoors at Jean-Drapeau, featuring Metallica, Slayer, The Offspring, Performing Smash, and Lamb of God. Three Days of Rocket Metal, featuring Anthrax, Twisted Sister, Bad Religion, Voivod, Dropkick Murphys, Body Count, Hatebreed, and many more. Festival passes on sale now. For the full festival lineup and to purchase your pass, visit HeavyMontreal.com. Produced by Avenco. You're listening to the Talking Metal Podcast with your host, Mark Striegel, and special guest co-host, Victor Victor M. Ruiz. Ruiz. iTunes number one hard rock and metal podcast. I'm Bud Friendly. Now, here are your hosts, Mark and Victor. Victor.
2: Hey there everyone, this is Victor over in Spain here on Talking Metal and over in Maplewood, New Jersey, we have Mr. Mark Striegel.
3: Hey guys, how are you? Thanks for joining us on the Talking Metal podcast. The intro that we played coming into today's episode claims that Talking Metal is the number one uh, hard rock and heavy metal podcast on iTunes. Which is true, used at least used to be true, about, oh, probably 50% of the time. It all depends how you'd break it up, because Metal Injection would a lot of times beat us, and Metal Sucks in recent months was also kind of beating us. Now, you could argue that Metal Sucks and Metal Injection are strictly metal podcasts, whereas we are a hard rock, heavy metal podcast. So maybe we were still number 1 in the hard rock heavy metal as opposed to just the metal and I'll explain to you how you figure these these stats out in a minute Victor but I have to say that it's that it, I'm pretty confident that Talking Metal is no longer going to be the number 1 hard rock heavy metal podcast on iTunes or, or hard rock metal podcast Because Eddie Trunk now has a podcast, and he just posted his third episode, and he is way above us on the music podcasting charts on iTunes. So I think we're going to have to change that intro.
2: (laughs) Well, uh, until there's, I guess, an, an official count, you guys can hold on to that title now.
3: Uh, There is an official count. Because what you do is you go into the podcasting section on the iTunes store. And you basically sort the podcasts by the music category. And it'll Mm -hmm. give you, like, the top 200 music podcasts. And Talking Metal, like I checked on Monday, Talking Metal was, which I, I find this amazing, was 96 out of the all the thousands and thousands of music podcasts in the world, on iTunes, which it might be a different gauge on, you know, iHeart or Spreaker or something else, but on iTunes, which is the platform that ninety percent of the public get their podcasts from, we were number ninety six on on Monday morning. And I, I just think that's that's incredible because most of the podcasts up there are are big corporate podcast not all of them but i shouldn't say most of them a good a, a lot of them are and eddie trunk was number six which is really impressive and you know i was talking to mitch about it and he was like well eddie's will probably fall back a little it's still real fresh He's only on the on monday he was only on the second episode uh he's on the third as of today but you know on monday when i checked too. Metal Socks and Metal Injection were both beating us. Those were the only two metal podcasts that were, besides Eddie's, that were um, beating us on on Monday. Now I checked later in the week, and we were one above Metal Socks, and we were actually beating Metal Injection. So, and again, they focus more on the more extreme forms of metal. So, but there's there's you know I could argue it if maybe they were still there that we're the number one hard rock and heavy metal podcast on iTunes. But at this point, I think it's a lost cause. I think Eddie trunk is officially going to hold that title because he's definitely doing hard rock and metal on his podcast. I mean, so far he's interviewed priest overkill and night ranger. So there you go. Have you heard his podcast at all? Victor?
2: I have not heard it as of yet. Uh, I mean, I was surprised when you mentioned that he had hopped on the, uh, podcasting bandwagon um of course he's on you know as you're mentioning on a big corporate platform or or one of the bigger you know platforms out there which is uh, podcast one and and one of the things that i was going to mention that you sort of did allude to i mean i think the
3: talking metal podcast in the end could be considered you know an independent podcast because it's like we're so independent it's freaking insane i'm like you know, I get a I get a little help from you and a little help from John, but I feel like I'm I'm out here on the freaking island, freaking <laughs> doing this thing. There's there's no money coming in. There there's money being lost, which I'm going to talk about in a in a minute. But uh, you know, I I I feel like the three of us are you know are, are doing this on our own. I feel like you know. I'm podcasting. I was just telling you before we started around the clock because now we have Mitch on here, and, and even when I'm not on Mitch's show, I'm not complaining. I'm I'm actually feel incredibly fortunate. I'm working behind the scenes on that show uh, because Mitch's show freaking kicks ass, you know. So I'm 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 glad we have him on board here. But I I, I think uh, I think we're absolutely 100% independent. I I don't think there's uh, any way that we could be viewed as anything but right i don't know
2: yeah well and i think all the other podcasts that you mentioned even metal sucks and metal injection i mean all but bo- well both of those sites are living off of you know ad revenue that they have uh, right which is,
3: well let's talk know- about both those podcasts and eddie's podcast but first i just want to remind people Ernie C. He's on the show, guys. You know, it was a kind of a funny episode, and it got a ton of listens, by the way, Victor. The episode where he was supposed to call in, and he didn't, uh, that Victor and I did three episodes ago. So he's finally going to be on this episode, and I can say that without any doubt, because, Victor, you recorded the interview. Yes. And it's in the can. It's done. So we don't have to say, hey, we're waiting for Ernie C. to call in, because we're not. It's it's done. It's over. But you're going to hear it shortly. But back to the podcasts. Yeah, so the thing with Metal Sucks is they're definitely kind of independent, but they're a part of like some kind of clan of like, you know, the website, not necessarily the podcast, but the website, they have ad revenue. And I don't know if that ad revenue is overflowing to the podcast. I haven't listened to it in, in a month or two. When I, but I know, it, it, when, when I was listening to it, I don't remember ever hearing commercials on it. Um, so, I, I, I think you could argue that theirs is an independent podcast. and But they definitely... It's a profitable podcast, which Talking Metal is anything but profitable. Uh, and Metal Injection, you know, Rob, he's a he's a DJ on Sirius. So, I do think that that helps him a lot. Although, I, I correspond with Rob quite frequently on email and... You know, he's he's still trying to crack the code of how to make his podcast profitable. His site I do believe is is a little more profitable because he not only is he is he running the site, hosting the podcast, doing his show on serious liquid metal, but he's also running this heavy metal ad network which provides non audio ads, you know, pop up ads or billboard ads for hard rock and heavy metal websites. And that is a good majority of what he does with his life. I think he actually says that on the, the episode of Talking Metal where he was on with us. So yeah, they're definitely, you know, I'm just not a business guy I, I, or, or I think I would be doing better. But I feel like, you know, if, if we have a podcast that's one of the top 100 or even one of the top 200, because sometimes it does slip down. I saw it at like 130 today on the top 200 podcasts on iTunes. Um, you know, if if I was a business guy, you'd think I'd be able to figure out how to make a profit off it, but uh, I'm not, and I really haven't figured that out. We actually were hemorrhaging money with the Live 365 stream, which we're going to kill, guys. Uh, it's going to be gone at the end of the month, so there you have it. The publishing and everything of of paying the publishing and keeping the stream going through Live 365 was... Was just not worth the the money, so we're going to kill that. And it seems like most of you guys just enjoy the podcast and aren't really into listening to the stream, anyways, or were not into listening to the stream. Right? Do you and listen to streaming radio, Victor?
2: Uh, I I do from time to time. You know, I, I remember when I first moved over here, I listened to Sirius quite a lot because you could listen to that online. Um, through 365, you know, I did try Yeah, well, serious,
3: look- though, I, I wouldn't call... I mean, I know you can now get it through the Internet, but right. I, I kind of feel like that's, like, more, like... Well, it's satellite, you know? So it's... Even though a lot of people now are listening through Wi-Fi or, or through their computers, too serious, I, I don't really consider that, quote-unquote, Internet radio, you know, like the... If you go into iTunes and go into the... Internet section. There's all these internet radio streams that you can right. listen to.
2: Yeah, you know, I, I do listen from time to time. I free
3: can't... streams, I should say. Serious, you have to pay for it, you
2: know. Right. Uh, I I don't listen to um, streams often. I mean, I, I listen to maybe a few times a month. I'm not going to say that. You know, I know a lot of people that will listen on a daily basis, but um, you know, it's. It's a difficult sell, unfortunately, and, and I, I think it really sucks that, uh, you know, the stream is going away. It's it's similar to what you just said. You know, I think if we had a pulse on, you know, or a finger on the pulse of what we could do to get more people to come in and listen to the stream on, you know, a regular basis, then I think things would have gone differently. But unfortunately, you know... <laughs> um, you're competing with so many other outlets and so many other things I think maybe... Well, we- and
3: you're competing with people who are, a lot of these people are doing it full time like, like right. Metal Injection, for example, you know, it's like that's besides, you know, it's that's not exactly true, because I just explained he spends half of his time selling ads, but he is spending way more time at his craft than I am, or you are, or John is, or most of these people. I mean, most of us go work day jobs, you know. If you haven't heard the interview with Rob from Metal Injection that we did, oh, probably six to months ago, maybe even a year ago, it's it's really great. You should check it out. And uh, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead.
2: No, no, no problem. I, I, I absolutely love that interview. It was very insightful listening to him talk about, you know, what they did to get things going and... Um, you know, it's it's definitely an uphill battle. I mean, I'm in the same boat as Talking Metal with Mars Attacks in the sense that, you know, there's always more money going out than there is coming in. Um, you know, I get donations here and there from time to time, but, I mean, nowhere near as frequent as, as you guys do. And I, and, I mean, a lot of that does have to do with um, me not having shows up there as frequently as I'd like to release them but um yeah
3: i mean i think if we would have been on the live stream doing a live show every day you know and really just having a set schedule and, ha- and premiering stuff on the live stream it could have turned into something but it's just uh, it wasn't something i was able to make happen and there's only so many hours in the day man and it's just like you- so let's right now move forward. And focus on talking metal. And maybe not having the live stream, not spending the money on it, will be money that we can then put back into talking metal, the podcast, and forge ahead with that, not having to worry about programming music on the stream, music that, you know, never more than three people are listening to. And we can uh, make this happen, you know? So, and it's, you know, I'm, listen, I'm, I'm so excited that Talking Metal, we have Mitch's show on, on board now, one-on-one with Mitchell Fawn, and that after a disastrous 2012, we really kind of rebounded in 2013, and I I still feel like we're riding the wave here in 2014. A little disappointed, I haven't had any really, I wouldn't say any big name guests uh, in a couple months, but that'll change, that'll change, I was talking to John about that today, and who knows? We might even get a certain spaceman on the podcast real soon.
2: Yeah, I, I think there really hasn't been a lot of huge names out there either. I mean, Priest has been out there. and Yeah, well,
3: yeah we had Priest on, you know, and I know yeah. th- that they've been doing a lot of press, but I do think we were one of the first podcasts to get them. Speaking of Priest, that interview on Eddie Trunk's first podcast, did you hear how awful that sounded? I mean, you could barely even hear Glenn Tipton.
2: I I think there were a lot of people that that mentioned that. I personally have not listened to the interview, but you would think that someone with his experience in radio and different formats, that uh, he would have done something to ensure that, you know, his first show out of the box would have sounded a little better. I mean, I think it's a little different for for Talking Metal or for myself to go out there and, you know, do sort of 10 episodes and test the waters and, and, you know, figure out what you're doing as opposed to someone that's been working, you know, in the industry per se since the late eighties. I mean, he's been involved, you know, at a station in one capacity or another since actually probably the the middle of the eighties. So, um, you'd think that, and, 2014 that you know he, he'd have his shit together per se to, yeah. that you know an episode like that does have good uh sound quality and that he's giving his listeners you know the, the best stuff possible you know this is someone that also had not so much a podcast but he had like a pay service where you could listen to him talk about various things which was an extension of his news network Um, or or his news. music was
3: Was he still doing that or or
2: I honestly haven't been on his site in probably like two or three years but I know that up to about a year ago people were sort of making fun of the fact that he was still you know having a, a members only section to his website something that's I don't know I guess if you're a band that makes sense if you're someone like Kiss or Metallica that makes sense but you know a- anyone else, I don't know what exclusive content in any trunk can provide you that, say, a blabbermouth or, or a brave words can at this point, you know?
3: Right. I mean, he's not Howard Stern, you know, he doesn't have quite that fan base but he is Eddie Trunk so who knows maybe it was working for him I I guess it probably wasn't which is why he's podcasting now where he's you know getting advertising through this podcasting company that he's with I do find it interesting that he has started this podcast uh, in recent times uh recent weeks because I don't think and I'm going to go out on a limb here but I, and I might be wrong I know a lot of you guys are going to wish I'm wrong on this, but I don't think that metal show is coming back, and I have a few reasons I think this. A, because I just emailed about two weeks ago my friend Jeff, who produces a show, and asked him, and usually responds to me right away. He did not. And I do think that Eddie's schedule is just so intense when that show was happening that, you know, maybe the the sign that he's doing this podcast is a sign that his schedule has opened up a little bit and he's able to now add another thing to his plate besides his his fm radio show which is on friday nights his serious show which is on monday nights i don't know though i don't know because i know they're still out there doing performance doing like gigs him and don and uh what's what's the other guy's name uh
2: can picture the three of them Don Jameson the other one is um um
3: Jesus. Jim is it Jim Jim Florentine Jim. yeah Jim Florentine um they're still out there doing like appearances under that metal show so maybe VH1 is waiting to announce that it's not returning until they're done with these appearances maybe it is returning maybe I'm totally wrong but just the fact that Jeff, the producer, didn't respond to me, this is a guy I've known for 20 years, giving me a yes or no makes me think that it's probably a no. And having spoken with him and other people at VH1, half of the guys who worked on that show behind the scene, not, well, not maybe not half, but one of the main guys who worked on that show, I think the executive producer, one of the executive producers is gone. So, um, and there was big, big shake-up. It's just not that show. It's a lot of shows at VH1. So if you like that metal show, keep your fingers crossed. I, however, have my doubts, and I may be proven wrong, but I have my doubts that it will be back on air on VH1 Classic. So we shall see.
2: That's interesting because I was thinking that maybe the, his deal with Sirius was up. Because I know Sirius, we've discussed this sort of behind the scenes, that they're sort of standoffish on their personalities uh, doing any type of podcast. It could
3: be. It could be. I know Lou Carl told me they won't let him podcast. And Jose at Sirius once told me that, you know, they view podcasting as the competition uh, so that could be, but listen, Jim Florentine, who we just mentioned, has a podcast, and he also does stuff on Sirius. Rob from Metal Injection has a podcast, and he also does stuff on Sirius. So I'm not sure how how uh, concrete that rule of no podcasting or podcasting is the competition is at Sirius. I really don't know. So, you know, it's... Uh, it's. I would think a guy like Eddie Trunk, that they're going to want him on Sirius no matter what, even though he complains that they don't pay him and stuff. I, I would think that he needs to stay there because it's a, a, a enormous platform for him, and I would think that they're going to continue to uh, want him to be there. And on a totally other note, and then we'll get off this topic, um, Sirius... The Liquid Metal Station, here are their top five records right now. Suicidal Silence is at number one. Hell Yeah is at number two. The New Mastodon at number three. Every Time I Die at number four. Kill or Be Killed at number five. On Octane, Sirius XM, Channel 37, here are the top five records. Nothing More. Seether is at two. Godsmack is at three. Star set is at four of mice and men at five. So there you have it. And of course, then they also have Ozzy's bone yard and of course hair nation. Very cool. So there was, let's see, I feel like, Oh, one other thing. And then once get off this topic, I was listening to liquid metal and they used to have a thing where they wouldn't really do much talking. You know, Jose would talk for a minute or two here and there between songs but that was it but they now have this thing where he takes phone calls and it's just like him it's very eddie trunk-esque but it's jose on liquid metal just like talking with people picking up the phone like for like an hour you know just just doing like like a talk radio thing which i thought was pretty cool actually i really dug it and and thought jose The episode I was listening to when I was in the car driving up to the Queens of the Stone Age concert last week, uh, I thought he did an excellent job. And Jose is great on air. I, you know, some people dig him, some people don't. I, I think he's great, I think he does a great job. And I was encouraged to hear on Liquid Metal, Channel 40, on Sirius, Jose doing a strictly talk thing, you know, taking callers, talking with people. It was very cool. So, sounds neat i mean, I, mean
2: I, I think with anything else when someone becomes very popular you're always going to have a bunch of haters come out of the woodwork so um that probably has more to do with you know people being annoyed with him more than actually disliking him you know i, I don't know i've always found that when i've seen him interviewing people or whatever he seems like a big fan and seems like a guy that does a uh, a really good job at what he's doing if not i mean he wouldn't be in control of what two three channels on serious at
3: least at least yeah so cool all right guys well remember to leave an, a review for talking metal on itunes leave us a review a good review please and check out victor's podcast it's called mars attacks when is the great uh what the greatest albums uh heaven and hell black sabbath episode due to be posted victor
2: I'm hoping to be able to post that uh, hopefully this weekend or early next week. It's, you know, as as you've been saying, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, at this moment trying to wrap a a lot of important stuff up in my personal life, um, I haven't been able to dedicate the time necessary to the podcast for that. I I do apologize, but uh, once – once we have everything solidified with our move and everything else, I do have big plans for the podcast. There's still a lot of things that I'm doing behind the scenes and different things that uh, I do think will help make the uh, podcast a more enjoyable, uh, listen. And, um, and I think we're going to take the show in in a little different direction and, um, And introduce a few different themes that we haven't in the past. So
3: Cool. Well, you got me excited. I mean, you already do a great show. So I'm looking forward to future episodes of Mars Attacks, which you guys can hear on TalkingMetal.com or TalkingMetalDigital.com. And also, of course, Victor's own exclusive solo site, which is MarsAttacksRadio.com. So definitely subscribe to Victor's podcast on iTunes and leave him a review. So... Victor, let's get into the Ernie C. interview. He blew us off, but you finally connected with him. And for uh, we were going back and forth with the emails. I was at work, which is why I couldn't be a part of the interview with you. And thank you for doing it on Talking Metal's behalf, by the way. But it almost looked like we were going to be blown off a second time, right?
2: Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> annoying, to say the least. Um I was going back and forth with with the publicist or excuse me with the publicist and um, you know it, not all these interviews end up working out i mean there there's the famous uh, famous ethan Broch uh, incident there right um, that's happened on a few occasions to me as well but not to that extent And things were sort of looking like we weren't going to be able to talk to Ernie either. Body counts out on the Mayhem Festival, and we were being told that he didn't have cell phone reception and that he was just going to rush right into press at the festival and that they weren't sure if they were going to be able to do it. So, you know, I was – I just told my wife, hey, you know, I'm coming down to eat. This interview isn't going to happen. And I get a call from the label saying, hey, you know, Ernie's going to be calling you in the next 10 minutes. Is that cool? And I said, yeah, let's do it. So Excellent.
3: Well, I tell you what. Why don't we get into this interview right now with Ernie C. from Body Count. Let's play a little, little new Body Count music going into the interview. This is Pop Bubble, which has the one and only Jamie Josta from Hatebreed guesting on it. And then we'll check out Victor's interview with Ernie C. here on The Talking Metal Podcast. I'm going to say it. Ain't nobody going to say it. I'm going to
1: say it. Motherfuck this shit. you all whores. Music ain't saying shit no more. Read my lips. Read my lips. Read my lips. You ain't talking about shit. America's losing their cribs. Why you bragging about the shit you did or the shit you buy? Most of it lies. Yeah, I know and you know I do. About your car and I miss P.E. I miss groups like Rage. Your pop shit's making me physically sick. Obama did eight years cuz. Why you sing about bottles and clubs? This shit don't make no sense. Most of your fans can't pay their rent. You've been told to Come on to the real war! Living and debt, What for time! Some bankers steal, some media loans! Now you've been bought, it fucking sells! You'll the top of Temple, or goes! Music's come a long way. Guys have gone from fight to power. To what does Kim Kardashian have on today? Fuck's the matter with you. This pop shit's driving me fucking crazy. I'm not talking about people that start out being pop stars. I'm talking about so-called hardcore motherfuckers that'll do anything to get on the radio. Eat a dick. Body count, motherfucker. I can't fake it. This shit's whack. I say this to your face. This ain't her. Still broke You fits living in a bubble full of bullshit A pop bubble full of bullshit You fits all the furnacide You're living in a bubble full of bullshit, pop full of bullshit. You're in A bubble full of bullshit. pop bubble full of bullshit You're living in a bubble bitch motherfuckers don't want no fight Your motherfucking pants too tight you be in front for you and then you're Victor, how you doing is Darny Choin
2: Good How are you Ernie? I'm doing great. What's the, what's the word today? Hey, we're just trying to talk up a little manslaughter here and get the word out.
4: Very good, Uh, very good.
2: uh, On you guys, and um, it's actually a pleasure talking to you because I'm a, I can't say a lifelong fan, but at least I'm a fan since the 90s when the first album came out.
4: Well, that's a lifelong. I mean, you know, for some folks, uh, 22 years is a lifetime, so thank you very much.
2: (laughs) Um, That first album was such a strong album and so much attention is given to the track Cop Killer that so many people miss out on how strong that album actually was, in my opinion. Uh, Does that first album put a lot of pressure on you guys when you go to write new material? Well,
4: with the first album, you know, we weren't really worried about... The record company Warner Brothers at the time wasn't really worried about Cop Killer. They were more concerned about songs like... uh, KKK bitch and Mama's got to die tonight. That was their concern. Cop killer kind of went under the radar and just you know popped up the way it was just because. So, but it it hasn't put any pressure on us. I mean, right now the record manslaughter is a good record. You know, just from the time that we had to take off to write this record, it makes this record even more. I think it's just as good as that first record.
2: I definitely think if you if you look at the songs, if you really give a good listen to the album, it's probably the first album since the first one that is so stacked from from beginning to end. Not that the other ones are bad because they all have good tracks.
4: Right, but this, this one has this one was written at the, the right record at the right time. Some of the other ones were, were written, you know, not like the last record we did was Ice was in New York, I was in Los Angeles, so it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. This record all summer long, we sat in the house and we wrote a good record. That, that was that, that's the way it, it sounds. It sounds like a record to me, not something that was you know kind of mailed in, you know.
2: Gotcha, okay, and with the, the previous album too, you guys were also dealing with the loss of a bunch of the founding members as well, so I'm sure that sort of played into that as well no, yeah, yeah, it's
4: like every record after we did a record, someone was in the process of dying or dying, so this record we had time to just take just stop everything and just grieve. you know what I mean? the band had to grieve we had them had a grieving process, you know, so every member that I have in the band now is one removed from the, the first member. So the Juan is my, my second guitar player, Vince is my second bass player, the drummer is my second drummer. So, you know, after we have the first person in the band, you still remember the the, the person that passed. So now we're removed sure. from that, you know, and so the band sounds a lot better. This lineup it sounds really great. You know what I mean? Really it does.
2: Was it difficult for you guys to adjust to these new members?
4: No, just because everyone's been around, we've known Ron for for um, 20 years. Vince has been in the band for the past 12, so he's been been around. He knows the the attitude that the band has. There's a certain attitude that you have to have to be in in body count. And Will, Bill Will, the drummer, he came in and he just laid it exactly right. You know what I mean?
2: Was there anything that when you guys sat down to write the album that you felt you had to prove with this album or did everything just sort of come into place for you guys?
4: No, we were just trying to do the best record we could do, you know, and let the chips fall as they may. But in the process, we've, we've written a good record. It's, uh, people are digging it. People have missed us long enough for us to come back. And but the... And things haven't changed that that, that much since we've been gone. But when we play now, 75% of the audience has never seen us before. I mean, we're playing for the fans of, you know, like the Vin Sevenfold. A lot of their fans were born 22 years ago when we were doing our first record. So we have a great opportunity now, you know, to just get out and play for people who haven't heard this band. If we went out and did clubs, you just would have got, you know, our body count fans. But we're playing... not our audience and so our task now is to make people like us to play really well
2: you guys have been flip-flopping between producing the albums in-house and having someone else come in and and do the production Mm -hmm. at what time do you guys decide hey you know we want to bring someone else in is it is it a case of needing outside input is it time issues that well, you want to have somewhere? you
4: know, we're, 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 we have to realize, first of all, we're 50-year-old we're men writing a record, you know, so we, this time around, we um, went out and got a producer. We, we ended up with Sumerian Records. Juan had a connection there, and it was the best record company for us to be on, because they're, they're progressive, they're new, they're, they're cool. I mean, it's a cool record company. They have cool artists on their uh, record label, you know what I mean? So sure. we we ended up there. They gave us some records of some of their records of some of their artists, and we listened to some of them, and we liked this producer called Will Putney. And he, you know, came in. He was really cool. He's twenty-seven years old, which is about the age when we started this band. We were, you know what I mean. So, sure. you know, it, it worked out just fine.
2: Cool. And uh, two standout tracks on the albums, or on the album, excuse me. Isn't mm-hmm. I guess they're covers, mm-hmm. but they're not because you guys have really thrown your own interpretation uh, right. to these. What, what you, that's
4: incorrect. What you just said, we're not doing covers. We're doing one cover. <laughs> we do one cover on the record. I don't know. The other is not a cover. Ice wrote 99 Problems. Jay Z covered 99 Problems.
2: Gotcha. Okay. Yeah.
4: Yeah. So I wrote that song. Jay-Z took the song. So now we're doing the song. People think you're covering Jay-Z's song. No, we, I had that song before Jay-Z had that song. So it's not a cover. And uh, the Suicidal Tendency song, you know, who doesn't like Suicidal, you know, they're they're before us and uh, we just put a spin on it, you know, a, a 2014 spin. And the, the funniest thing is, we were trying to get the, we had to get clearance to do that song. We didn't have to get clearance to do 99 Problems. Jay Z did, so so we, we we was looking to get clearance on that song, right? So there's a guy named Glenn Friedman. He's a photographer. He's been Ice's photographer since the early '80s. Since you know, Ryan Page. he owns the rights to that song. Ice's photographer. We didn't know that he even had anything to do with that. He he was a publishing company. And then he's also a vegan, so that worked out just
5: fine.
4: He <laughs> <laughs> got he got a kick out of it too. You know what I mean? Body count is just extreme fun. Uh,
2: absolutely, and see, this is why I love talking to artists because you get your ass set straight all the time.
4: So. Yeah, you know, just just you know, we're we're just extre- extreme fun, you know. Because if you talk shit, you don't get shot. You know, that's as extreme as you can take it. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah. See, that's the thing that always bothered me about when the argument with Cop Killer came up, or some of the lyrics over the years, is mm-hmm. it's okay for Hollywood to sort of parade around in a certain light, but it isn't all right for musicians to play a part up on stage, and then right. when you come off the stage, you're someone else, you know, it just right. doesn't make but, sense. But the
4: thing about our band, sometimes it took us a little t- too serious. They took our band really, really serious. I mean, even right now, you know, Ice does Law and Order. He's been on that for the past 15 years. But when he does Body Count, it, it's like they don't even know him. You know, and they they know who he Man. is, but it's like they made us at Best um, Buy to, to have the cover of Manslaughter. They made us put a cover on the cover. They still, you know, but they have other albums that have guns on the front, but you know, they really take us serious, you
5: know?
2: That's that's amazing. That I don't know. You'd yeah. think that over the years that would progress, but it never yeah. changes. So it no,
4: never changes. It take us too serious. We're, you know, we're just a, a rock band having some fun.
2: Right. Well, this month on my podcast, I'm featuring an album by a band that you actually produced. Um, the band is Black Sabbath. The album uh-huh. that I'm featuring is Heaven and Hell, but you worked on the very underrated... Forbidden album, which, in my well, opinion, is a lost gem in their catalog. Well, um, you know... Go ahead. No, I was going to ask you, what was it like working with the band?
4: Oh, you know, when you, whenever you do a Black Sabbath record, it, it's, it, you're going to get under the microscope. I mean, they've had 11 records, so... if just to, be, to do one is an honor. You know what I mean? To produce a Black Sabbath record is an honor. It was it was a lot of fun doing that record. I mean, I had Jimmy Page show up to the studio. uh, uh well, showed up. Uh, Jeff Beck. Uh, 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 What's the name? Queens guitar player. Brian May showed up. Um, I, I worked on the, the drums with the late Cozy Powell. I mean, I can't complain. It was a good experience for me. And the record's good. I mean, the record... It's a good Black Sabbath record. It's not the best Black Sabbath record. So,
5: uh,
4: you know, it, it was good for me just to be accepted in that way by Tony Iommi. I mean, you can't, you know, get any bigger than that.
2: Absolutely. I mean, uh, it it always sort of frustrates me that, uh, you know, the Tony Martin years are pushed off to the side, but they still put out quality material, and there are tracks that you produced on that album, that I think definitely still slot in with some of their classic tracks.
4: Yeah, they, they were they were they were good tracks, and, and also, Ice holds the title of being the, the only person ever to guest star on a Black Sabbath record, and I put them on the record. So,
2: right. It's funny because so many people had a problem with that, but you know, Ozzy did work with um, uh, did work with uh, ODB, and he right. did work. With uh, Buster Rhymes as well, so yeah. I mean I don't see the uh, issue. Uh,
4: you know, it's, it's just people need something to talk about, so that's what they decided to talk about today. You know, that's, that goes back to our song right now: pop bubble full of bullshit. You know, people just talking, you know, just talking and talking and talking. You
2: know, on Wikipedia it's posted that you had a hand in producing Stone Temple Pilots and Rage Against the Machine early yeah, on. You
4: know, no, that, that you know that whole thing is gotten. I I just helped them out. You know. Um, I put them on shows, you know, I went to rehearsals. I, I don't consider I had any. Those bands were destined to be what they were going to be. When I heard uh, Tom play the first time in that band, I'm like, because he, he was a friend of mine. He was in a band a band called Lockout that was on yeah. Deppin Records years and years ago. I knew that that band was going to be something. I just put them on... Uh, Some of our shows as opening actors. And STP, I helped them get management and things like that to help them get to that level. But I didn't produce anything that was going to help them get any further than they were going to get on their own. They had demos. And, you know, when I first met uh, STP, they were Mighty Joe Young. So that's before they were STP, before they were signed to Atlantic. So, yeah, I don't feel I had anything to do with it. It just um, just sounds like I did. But uh, they were going to be what they were going to be.
2: Gotcha. Okay. And it was funny when I read, or not funny, I just s- found it sort of odd. Uh, when I read Vince Neal's biography, he says that he grew up in Compton. And uh-huh. I started looking at the dates, and I guess he's technically two years younger than, than you are. Okay. Um, did you ever cross paths with Vince Neil in Compton or anywhere before Motley Crue? over? Oh, oh,
4: first of all, I'm, I'm not from Compton. Hell, no. <laughs> uh, We—I grew up in South Central L.A., which is a little further Coach. over than Compton. You know, we okay. grew up in the in the middle of Los Angeles, South Central. Compton is a whole other thing. Compton is over there where N.W.A. came from, Compton <laughs> and Watts and all that. We're from the middle of L.A. We're, you know, that's that's where we're from. But I. I didn't know Vince was from Compton. I mean, there's good Compton. There's some good parts of Compton. There's you know, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollar houses in Compton. It's close to Carson so it's not unbelievable.
2: Gotcha. Okay. He, and didn't, come,
4: he didn't come from Compton, you know, where the Crips and the blood are shooting each other. I don't think, you know. So, but, you know,
2: I guess you guys are playing at Heavy Montreal in a little bit. Yeah. Um, you tell me what it's like for a band like body count to play these types of festivals?
4: Oh, um, I mean it's it's a lot it's a lot of fun. I mean, you know, to be playing these festivals after twenty some years it is really a, a it's great because a lot of bands we started with aren't even around, you know what I mean? And and right now we we're I don't know, if we're like nostalgia or people, you know, are just people are coming out to see us. I mean, people are really happy to see us, you know? So I'm having a great time. I'm having a great time just out
2: here playing. Yeah, and, and you touched on an interesting thing there. One of the first things that you guys were known for was playing on the original Lollapalooza. And how yeah. many of those bands are still but around was, and kicking?
4: That was 1991. And I, I, this feels like Lollapalooza. You know, this, this tour we're on right now, it feels like the first Lollapalooza. Because cause the first Lollapalooza, everybody mixed all up the band. You know, Henry Rollins used to come and play with us. And so, uh, Jonathan Davis said he's going to come over and, you know, jump on cocktail somewhere along the way when, he, when, he, when everything wants to. You know what I mean? It feels comfortable, you know? We go out every night and we sit and watch Cannibal Corpse play. We go over there and we watch the Venge 7 Pro the other night. It feels like that kind of feel to us, you know? A family show with a bunch of cool bands. We did the first original Lollapalooza, and some of the people that are producing this were there, and they're getting the vibe, you know what I mean, we're, of that feeling. So it feels like that.
2: Awesome. And what do you guys have in store after doing the Mayhem tour?
4: Uh, after Mayhem, we're going to go do Heavy Montreal, we're going to do the, the, the Gore Barbecue, we're going to play the Astro Funk Fest in Brooklyn, New York, and then we're just going to do Spotgate up to next summer, we'll probably go to Europe next summer, and hopefully do another record, since the band is up and running now, we're not going to shut it down anymore.
2: What you just heard was Necessary Evil by Body Count, which actually has Ernie C singing lead vocals on a few different portions of the song. It was great to be able to talk to him. Great to have him correct me on the fact that 99 Problems was originally written by Ice-T and covered
3: by Jay-Z. Wow, okay. Interesting. Really, I... Totally did not know that. Wow. Okay. Very not good. He- so, very uh, w- good.
2: Was actually really neat because I mean I think he was very open to talking about different subjects. You know I was hesitant to bring up uh, Sabbath because you know in the Tony Iommi book, uh, Tony does not speak favorable of the Forbidden album, and I honestly think that that album has a lot of really strong tracks on it. Well, not a lot, right? And you know, I would say it has the closer kiss of death is one of the the best tracks that in my opinion Sabbath has ever released definitely wow. from the Tony Martin era maybe
3: okay. I'm with you on the Tony Martin era I, I think I, I don't know if it's you know when, with all the stuff they put out with Ozzy and Dio and even Gillen I don't know if I'm with you um, but I respect your opinion totally and I love that song and after you were talking about that on one of, the, of our previous episodes I pulled the CD out and I've been listening to it in the car quite a bit and I like it I think it's a really strong record
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Again, I think the first three tracks are all very strong. There are other tracks where uh, Tony Iommi's gone back and revisited some of the riffs because I think the album has been downplayed so much that there are riffs that appeared on the uh, Heaven and Hell album on The Devil You Know, and there are riffs that appeared on 13 that he originally used on forbidden. So it's interesting that, you know, on the one side, he's downplaying the album, but at the same time, he's still going back, and it's almost as if, okay, well, since people weren't paying attention, this riff s- still kicks ass, so
3: let me take it
2: and let me put it, you know, somewhere else where people are actually going to notice
3: it. Right on, right on. Well, thank you for doing that, Victor, and uh, coming through for Talking Metal Again, guys, check out Victor on Mars Attacks Radio. Victor, I want to get into some music now. Let's jam a a few classic metal songs out, if you will. This one is called Defender, and it's by the one and only Manowar.
6: lies ahead of you, as it did mine so long ago. To help the helpless ones who all look up to you and to defend them.
3: what you just heard was manowar with their song defender featuring do you know who that is on on the uh, spoken word part there victor do you know who what famous actor that is um is that christopher lee by any chance good guess but no that's the one and only orson wells and orson, orson wells S- is such an amazing character and story he you know really kind of died when he died he was kind of a little bit on the down and outside, you know, he wasn't quite respected, and he was doing VO work, and a band like Manowar, who probably didn't have the biggest budget in the world, was able to hire this guy who, you know, 30, 40 years previous had been the biggest superstar in the world, you know, maybe even 50 years, I haven't done the math, but, you know, he was, he, I guess, 30 40 years is probably more like it but he 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 was kind of down and out he wasn't making much money and he was not the star he once was which was like the biggest star in the world and they hired him and then and to do that that VO on the song defender and then right after he died suddenly people were like he was a genius you know but he never really got to hear these people hail him as as this this absolute genius and i've read that It's kind of sad because he died not really feeling that respect that suddenly, once he died, flooded in and people hailed Citizen Kane, his movie, as one of the greatest movies ever made, if not the greatest movie ever made. And, uh, yeah, Manowar with the one and only, the legendary American legend, Orson Welles, doing the spoken word on that. And I read somewhere, it was like, the Wikipedia page or something had had it listed wrong, saying that Orson Welles was doing the, the spoken word part on another Man of War song, which I think is incorrect. I think it's just Defender that he does the spoken word part on. And if there is another Man of War song that he does spoken word on in addition to that, please email me at mark at Talking Metal and let me know. Or on our Facebook page, just Google, or not Google, go into Facebook and search Talking Metal. So, um, were you a Manowar fan, Victor?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I enjoy them. I enjoy their albums up until probably the early 90s. After that, I sort of lost track of them. But, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Manowar is still huge over here in Europe, and actually... You know, as a kid, I didn't really know who they were until I vacationed over here one year and someone gave me a, a cassette that had uh, Quiet Riots, Condition Critical. Um, it had Saxon's Crusader. And then it had, I believe it was Carry On and Blow Your Speakers by Manowar. And after that, I dug into it a little more and You know, fighting the world and things like that started to come up. And, you know, I actually listened to um, uh, Black uh, Black Wind, Fire and Steel, I believe is the name of the track. I listened to it the other day.
3: Excellent. Cool. Let's get into a a twofer here. We're going to start off with Crimson Glory. The track is Strange and Beautiful. And we'll follow that up with a band called Hair Apparent. okay that was a twofer you just heard the song strange and beautiful by crimson glory that was the first of the two songs and that features the late midnight on vocals crimson glory a band that todd from queensrike was in for i guess not really all that long right more towards the end of of the uh, crimson glory uh time or are they still do they still out there doing their thing
2: no, I don't think so because I believe their guitarist who was sort of the mastermind behind everything. I believe he's in jail for No, oh, wow. For 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 some deal and um I think Todd was their like
3: fourth singer. Yeah, something like that. Midnight is the guy who is really considered the classic singer of that band at least from what I know. And Hair Apparent was the second song you heard. Well, that's not the song. The second band you just heard there. The song was Running from thunder and that's off the graceful inheritance record from 1986 again hair apparent from 1986 the song was running from thunder and that is available on itunes so go download both those tracks and support the artists and i guess we'll wrap it up victor i appreciate you joining me on a what thursday night here the middle of the night for you over there in spain
2: Yes. Early Friday morning, or early Friday morning on a national holiday. So, ah, okay, all right. Recent holiday. I'm sorry, no longer a national holiday. The, the The holiday is offensive to some people now. So there you
3: oh. go. All right. And Victor, just because the live show is temporarily stopped, we doesn't mean we're not going to continue doing stuff with you. The numbers for the shows you do with us are always real good, and we get a lot of great feedback on them. So. I can't wait to do more stuff with you. We may even start doing these live shows like we were doing on Live 365 over the Spreaker format, which I'm not an enormous fan of this whole Spreaker thing, which is a whole story I won't get into. However, there are some good things about it, I think, and the platform they give you that allows you to broadcast live, I think could potentially be something cool. We just have to kind of figure it out. I think it's probably pretty easy, but that's a possibility for the return of talking metal live at some point down the road. And in the meantime, let's just focus on these podcasts. Let's keep these podcasts going. Let's keep them going strong. Let's try to pull in some big name guests. If you're a big rock star out there or famous musician, and you listen to the show and you want to come on the show, please email me at Mark, at TalkingMetal.com Support us with a PayPal donation Use the Amazon links in today's show notes to open up your Amazon and do all your shopping We get a small kickback when you do that And that's about it Any any plugs you want to add, Victor?
2: I just want to let people know as you've already mentioned a bunch of times during the show to check out MarsAttacksRadio.com and check out all the good stuff we have going on. If you're looking for any of the classic albums column that uh, people seem to be fans of, there's a, a way that you can find all, all the episodes on the right-hand side there of the homepage. You can also find links to Facebook, Twitter, our PayPal donation, Amazon store, so on and so forth. Just go to MarsAttackRadio.com Right there on the homepage, you'll find all the information out that you need. Excellent.
3: Guys, have a great night, and I don't know. What do you? What should we? What can we do to take us out here? We should do another song. Why don't you pick one? Um, what do you want? Classic, newer? I mean, I don't do care. You... Anything? Any any songs you've been rocking, old or new, in the past forty eight hours that you, you dug that you want to share?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, revisited that uh, classic new wave of British heavy metal revisited that Lars Ulrich put out there um, in the early 90s and was really digging, you know, the tracks off of of that. The track is Leaving Nadir, and the name of the band is Witchfind. It actually ends CD one of the compilation.
3: All right, let's check it out.